You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Spangle. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Chris Spangle Show. This was originally a bonus episode for our patrons, but I really liked it. I've got something to say. Uh, so there's a little bit more personal stuff in here than I would normally put in the public feed, but that's what you get with the bonus show. So support the show right now by joining up at Patreon at joinwallplus.com. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you get something out of this message, and I hope it inspires you to take action. Thanks. Yeah, you sound good. Is that a Rogan mic? Uh, it's a Sure. Yeah, the Sure 7B? Uh, it's not the 7B, it's the... MV5, I think. The new one that came out that's USB and... Oh, okay. I think Nichols has that. You might pull it a little tighter to you, even. I just... I'm having... I gotta redo some things, but yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, Then I got the Focusrite mixer that you guys recommended. Which is great. Mm, It is. I feel like... The first one I bought was so bad, I did (laughs) I told you, don't buy Pile. Behringer can be okay, but Pile is like the house brand at Radio Shack quality. You know, it's like TCL. (laughs) So, you deserve deserve Sony or Samsung. (laughs) Man, I feel like dog crap. I don't... I, I hope I make it. If I don't, I'm the first person to die from an ingrown hair. I don't, I don't know if you can can see this back here. How bad does it look? You get a little bit of a red spot. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very painful. I didn't sleep at all last night. I passed out at the gym today uh, uh, because not because of blood pressure or diabetes or anything, but because I sat and Googled staph infection and i stressed myself out so much i had a panic attack the first one in years uh and everybody that listens to this show knows i'm a hypochondriac and so my grandfather i don't know how how many people know this reinhold but my grandfather lost his leg in 89 when i was three from a staph infection and so i since then have had a lifelong fear of anything medical but i'm terrified of medical so it's like I don't want to go to the doctor, but then I worry about everything that's wrong. And so I got to thinking about this staph infection that hurts more than it did yesterday. And I'm like, I'm dying. It's over. Uh, Just, you know, accessing that old trauma. So I I passed out. I woke up and I threw up in the bathroom of the the YMCA, the tuna fish sandwich that I had had for lunch. So it was was not good. Not going to lie to you. Well... I can uh, I can commiserate. A couple of days ago, I noticed some blood in my urine, so that was another. Oh no! That's a fine time. What happened? Fun time. It's it was just a, it's an old it's a thing that happens to guys when they get older. Is it it's just a just a thing, or do you have kidney stones, or are you dying? Oh, I, I've I've had kidney stones forever. Um, my first kidney stone was in my twenties. 
Um, so yeah, I've had kidney stones plus I've got BPH, which is, you know, causes sometimes you get some stuff like that happen, but it's not, it was just a momentary and it wasn't prolonged. So it's nothing to worry about. It's not like a, well, this, you know, that's why my voice sounds weak. I took a nap. I, I just, I definitely feel like I'm sick, but I'm not sick. So, mm-hmm. so if I, I sound weak, but I'm still here. I didn't cancel on you guys. We recorded two new Liberty Explained, me and uh, Julia earlier, yeah. and all that good stuff. So stay tuned for that. Um, tonight, I want to talk a little bit about civil society, and you're probably like, "What the hell is that?" Uh, which I will add this uh, here. Uh, shit. Uh. All right, hold on. I maybe I may I maybe have to cancel this out here. So let's see what happens. It won't let me share my screen if I don't do this thing. All right, I'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, I'm back. What's the what's the comments? Uh, I can't see because people aren't logged in. We have, but... to start, uh, we have to start thinking maybe if uh, he doesn't come back, what to do. Oh, see, I was uh, here and talking. I just hadn't put myself in. Um, boomer alert. Yeah, we do sound like boomers. So anyways, I want to talk about civil society because it's a concept that people don't talk about a lot. And it's certainly, Reinhold, I think like a concept that has been lost within the libertarian movement in a lot of ways. Um And so you have the public sphere and the private sphere, right? Okay, in the public sphere, that's things that happen in public, and then you've got private things that happen in private, like your home life. And you've got to keep the private things private, and then the public sphere, you, uh, you know, you keep that stuff uh, public, right? So that's part of the the, the argument is, let me stay on Twitter so I can stay in the public sphere, Uh, you know. Elon Musk buying Twitter so he can force that. That's uh, that's part of it. What do you think of that, by the way, Reinhold? Like, do you have any reaction? Like, to me, I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. But, um, you know, no, no, I, no, like, whoo, yay. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, first of all, it's 10% stake, less than 10% stake. So whether it changes anything or not, I don't know. You know, he's going to have a little clout, but he's not going to be able to just make edicts, right? Um, especially if it starts hurting the bottom line in the other shareholders, you know, balk at it. Right. Uh, and it's really a case of, you know, no, no social media site that's claimed that they're going to be free speech, free speech for everybody has ever lasted or gone very, ever been successful because they either have to allow horrible stuff on the, on the sites, which nobody wants to hear and everybody leaves, or they start moderating, which they should be doing. And then everybody is like, well, what's the difference between you and going back to Facebook and Twitter? So, yeah, that's, I guess it's going to be a problem. Listen, you can mon- you can get rid of porn. You can get rid of violent, you know, law breaking stuff. 
Mm-hmm. It's just that they've gone to... They never should have started yeah. to get into political discourse. You know, like our buddy Vaughn, a pastor... Uh, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but this is from 2016 that the, he, he got removed today. And it is a picture of... And you probably remember this very old meme from 2016, but it's uh, a kid sticking a fork in a light, light socket, Trump or Hillary, top socket or bottom socket... And it uh, goes against community standards. Like, that's very benign. And so what's what's the point of taking stuff like that down? That really, like, they're taking a, a sledgehammer. That's a lot of the, the issue that I... Oops, the chat's in the... Oops. Uh, <laughs> well, what I, what I find is that they get you start getting into the moderation and you try to make things... Well, we we're already moderating this. Let's get this moderated, and then that rolls into well. If you're moderating it, why aren't you moderating this? And you start getting your fingers into everything, and that's that's the mission creep that happens when you try to moderate. I I've been you know on bulletin boards and other communities since you know the late '80s, early '90s as a moderator, and I've run into that situation where you want to keep certain things off. And you want you don't want conversations to devolve and people start yelling and hating each other and making the community not anything anybody wants to be. Yeah, a you've got to have in the public but, sphere. You've got to have some rules of the road. Right, but then you but then you also have to get in. You know, am I moderating because I personally don't like what was being said, or because something that shouldn't be said, or something that's going to cause too much of an issue? And then, then you have to get into those types of things, and it's it's a tricky road to to go through. And, and I don't think people realize that how how much that that has to go into the conversation. The, the end result is that if enough people are upset about how far you've gone, they will leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, like true. So true at some point, they're going to have to they're, they're going to either have to recognize that they've gone too far, pull back. They're going to have to revamp, or they can use, you know, somebody buying ten percent of your stock as an excuse to say, "Okay, we're going to change things now." Right. That you've been wanting to do for a while. It gives them cover. And someone to say this is this is why we're doing it. Yeah, you've got to there there. You don't get to just do whatever you want in the public sphere. You get to do whatever you want in the private sphere, according to libertarians. Uh, King is his own castle, and what you do in the bedrooms fine, and blah blah blah. Uh, anyway, so civil society. You know, if you were organizing society into three groups, you have government, of which libertarians spend a lot of time talking about. You have business which we spend some time talking about. And then you have civil society, which libertarians don't talk a lot about, but is incredibly important to libertarianism and to liberty and to a functioning society. We've talked about it in a non-defined way on this show for a long time, uh, but civil society is uh, like churches, nonprofits, your family, it's community groups, community organizations of any kind. Uh, And these civil society organizations are incredibly important for liberty because they drive people together from differing locations, differing backgrounds, differing education, and force them, not force them, voluntarily, cooperatively work on a shared cause together. They learn a little bit about each other. And that uh, ends up benefiting the business and the governmental areas. Um, One feature of the authoritarian right that you see in Vladimir Putin, that you see in 
uh, hungry with Orban that you see in a lot of ways with Donald Trump is the destruction and erosion of civil society, making everything political. Culture warriors want to make everything political. It's all about the government and, well, these people are doing the wrong thing, so we need control of the government to punish them. Those journalists, journalism falls under the civil society category. Uh, These institutions help build up a well-functioning society. And, you know, what we're seeing in Russia, for instance, is a total clamping down. And we're seeing it in China and Shanghai with the lockdowns there. I I don't know if you saw the drone. I tweeted it out. Uh, they've been opening their windows and singing to each other. And the drone says, please avoid the, the, um, the temptation of freedom to open your window and sing. And I, I feel like sometimes we have the choice in America between two tyrannical roads, between heading towards Russia and heading towards the United, uh, heading towards China. And, uh, I think it's important for us to speak with moral clarity about where we want America to go apart from the left and right. And I think it's really important to understand the concept of civil society and its importance and protecting it from these two tyrannical sides that want to make us more autocratic, that want to erode civil society organizations. That's why many right-wingers felt it was an attack on them. It was a negative to close down churches during COVID because it's an attack on civil society. Trump attacking journalism all the time. It's why a lot of left-wingers find that offensive, because these parts of civil society are important to them. But ultimately, all of these different societal uh, organizations and functions are important to all of us. Uh, And that is part of classical liberalism, a.k.a. libertarianism, is protecting the different interests, even though you may not be interested in it, even if you feel that it is somewhat of a threat, If it is a private organization, if it is a private function, you are not to touch it. Um, Do you feel that I have summarized it well, Reinhold? What did I miss? What did I get wrong? Well, the only thing I would think of is that it's not that you don't touch it. It's that you don't touch it with force or use of the government. It's If you disagree with what a civil organization is doing, you can boycott them. You can, you know, try not to want to be a part of what they're doing. That's... That's how society kind of works itself out for the most part. As long as we're not violating any rights of any people while we're doing that, I think that it's a fair way to 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 have that interaction. A lot of people who say they're libertarians often are like, "I want to be free with, to do what I want to do," but then they don't they don't take that to the next step and saying, "I want to defend everybody else's right to be able to do what they want to do as well." And it, if we don't defend those rights then our rights aren't going to get defended and aren't worth anything. So that all compasses together. And if you want to get rid of the government, you have to get rid of the things that the government does that are beneficial to society. There are things that the government does that does help people. They're doing it the wrong way. They end up hurting more than they help. They shouldn't be doing it that way. But there are things that still need to be done by society at some point. So you need to have private organizations stepping up and doing that. And the good thing is about that now is that we don't have to wait for the government to tell us we can. We can just do it anyway. And then when we prove that we don't need them taking care of the situation because we already have it in hand, then that part of the government can be folded away. Yeah, exactly. Like take down the government. Gleaners Food Bank takes in millions of dollars from the federal government. 
They can't make that money up if people don't donate. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's a lot of talk about democracy. And, uh, you know, it was a good little Republican. You're always trained to kind of like shriek in horror when you heard the phrase democracy. We're a republic, but we're a Republican democracy. And I've kind of been reading and thinking a lot about, you know, what is democracy? Because it's it's hard to say, you know, Hayek talks about in The Road to Serfdom, democracy is a good environment for freedom until it's not. And it can become as tyrannical as an autocracy, like what Putin runs, like China, you know, these different types of autocracy. Obviously, Putin has a singular autocracy where he's in charge. China has a ruling party, but these are, are top-down organizations, if not near totalitarian, where they a totalitarian government essentially tries to control all of the government, all of business, all of the civil society sectors, trying to fold it all into a singular vision. You know, whereas, whereas an autocracy, it is a single person or group governing the governing, uh, the, the government part, uh, and... You've seen Vladimir Putin, for instance, start to erode over his 22 years. You have these milestones, like in 2004, removing the elections of governors in the territories. Uh, there is only one office that you can vote for in all of Russia that is is voted on, and it's the president, and he fixes that election. <laughs> um, and you you see the so – I reached out to the Libertarian Party of Russia and talked with the head of the Libertarian Party of Russia the first week of the war – uh, didn't want to come on because of the fear of his safety. Nobody else wanted to come on. He was detained because he was out in the streets protesting. Well, the erosion of the freedom to assemble, the, ro- the erosion of freedom to uh, speak, you know, these, this is erosion of civil society. You, you want people to be able to protest. Even if it's, it's um, like, you have all kinds of competing interests. I think... The problem that we have with the the far left and the far right is that they often think that if only enough of them, if they can be just be in power and eradicate the opposites, then then it'll be fine. If if only there's just the right speech, the right control of speech, the right control of behavior, the right state religion, we can really get control of this. But that's not how it works. There's dissidents in every single system, um, and so. Uh, you know, we live in a Republican democracy, and you hear a lot of the left, for instance, talking about democracy and Joe Biden saying we need to fight for democracy. Well, what does that really mean? Because it doesn't hold a lot of credibility for those of us who have watched over the last two years, seeing civil liberties and civil society and uh, many other parts of our society trampled on by these Democrats claiming freedom. It was galling in the early weeks of the war watching the head of the Australian lockdowns talk about how they support liberty and they're going to fight Russia, who is a you know an autocrat. It's like, well, what's really the difference between you and them? Um, so we, I firmly am a Democrat small d. I believe in liberal democratic capitalism. It is what has lifted so many people out of poverty. It is what has made America great. Classical liberalism, which is openness, diversity, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, all of the different values. When you're taught Americanism and what it means to be an American, that's classical liberalism in a lot of ways. Now, is classical liberalism practiced? No, I just saw a poll that said that uh, the... um, 
the the lifting of COVID restrictions on immigrants is a huge mistake, according to a vast majority of Americans. So not necessarily valuing openness and diversity and freedom of movement and and other things, but uh, these ideals that we aspire to. The reason that we all became libertarians are are held and embraced within true democracy. And it's up to us, I think, to fight for these classical liberal values, democratic values, uh, and capitalist values as we move forward. Because we've got a right. You know, we always thought that the right was on our side, Reinhold, but CPAC is going to hold their convention with Viktor Orban in Hungary, who is an autocrat that has, you know, ran on the backs of immigrants and punishing journalists and shutting down freedom of speech in his country. Um, you, you are starting to see the right, certain parts of the right, if not a lot of the right, begin to align with Vladimir Putin, Rod Dreher over at American Conservative saying, you know, uh, basically Vladimir Putin is supporting Western civilization. So you've got to destroy Western civilization to protect it (laughs) because nothing about Vladimir Putin is, is valuing in his actions is valuing Western civilization. He is a mobster who wants to get rich. And so I don't understand the point of view of, I I believe you can be anti-war Reinhold without sucking off Vladimir Putin. I would just like to say that I got a lot of heat last August for pointing out that Daniel McAdams, head of the Ron Paul Institute used to have a blog called the daily Putin uh, and has a weird pro-Russian bent and never seems to go against Russia. And now you, you look and you're just like, what are they say? What are they even talking about? Like they're completely ignoring reality to promote Russian propaganda, uh, including Ron Paul himself. And I just have to ask you how many piece of shit friends does Ron Paul need to have before we start to wonder if Ron Paul's a piece of shit? Um, just something you should ask yourself. Uh, so I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm for, and I know we are, we're all supposed to be like both sidesism and, you know, what about this and what about that? But at the end of the day, I'm not supporting my own government's tyranny, but in doing that, I'm not going to support another government's tyranny. We should be looking at Vladimir Putin, Viktor Orban, China, the American government, Canada, like we should be as against their cracking down on libertarian principles as we are against our own country. Um, so I know I've referenced to you, Reinhold, but, but you know, please pull me out of this monologue. Thank you. Well, and you know, first of all, these a lot of people say we shouldn't be trusting politicians. Well, if you're not supposed to be trusting politicians, what makes you think these politicians are good as opposed to those other politicians, right? They're all going to be bad because they're all authoritarian. It's a lot of people are saying that we should support DeSantis in Florida. It's like, but he's an authoritarian. And you made a, you made the distinction of an authoritarian being that they try to control everything. And I contend that it's not necessarily that they try to control everything. It's that they think they have the power to 
just because they're benevolent in certain areas that you happen to agree with doesn't mean that they don't think they have the right to actually do that if they thought it was the way to get them reelected. Ron DeSantis you has, would do it in a heartbeat. has a, a huge penchant for using the state to force other people to live the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he was he he was uh, so against the lockdowns, which was good. But then he was ordering businesses that they couldn't lock down on their own volition, which is super authoritarian. It's <laughs> right. against private property rights. I don't. You can't have that. I, I get that you agree that you like that he pushed back against the the lockdown state, but it doesn't. You don't replace it with just as bad, right? Yeah. And and that's what he was doing. And and this this whole kind of. I see a lot of people who are against the stuff that are, is happening on the left to the point where they will forgive everything that the right is doing. And the people on the right who think that the right is doing everything over in the far left. And you can't do that. You have to have a set of principles and you have to call out what you think is wrong when it's wrong. Yeah. And and that's how you become consistent, not by just claiming that you're consistent, by actually being consistent. I'm tired of your infighting, I, I, but I'm tired of your infighting. And this is something you and I have talked about, because you and I fight with each other more than anybody else in the group, uh, because you're a liberal stooge, and uh, I'm correct. But uh, you... I believe civility and kindness is important. There's a reason we're not going to do shows on certain libertarian topics of the moment, out of professional courtesy, out of what is actually important, uh... Uh, out of, uh, you know, like I, I, I just I try to be kindness. <laughs> like kindness is important to me. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you don't think that there are certain things that are wrong and ugly and terrible on your own team. And there's plenty of people doing all that stuff and all that legwork and all that documentation, right? Mm-hmm. But there does come a time where you have to say, like, these things are wrong. This person is wrong. Even on my own side, you know, just constantly crying, let's all be civil, let's all be united, let's all, uh, let's all not fight, let's all get along. I don't believe in that, <laughs> you know, I think right. you just have to choose your spots. I just don't think you can constantly bludgeon people with it. Well, you have to, you have to be able to say, okay, I disagree with this person, but it's an issue that we can agree to disagree on. Yeah. Right. So there's some political things where I can say, you know, I don't agree with you here. I think this is wrong and this is why, blah, 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 blah. But when you start getting into things that are um, more along the lines of violating people's rights, bullying, those sorts of things, you, you got to stand up to that sort of thing. Right. You have if that's if that's important to you as a core belief, then you have to push back and say, no, I disagree with this. And people who sit and say, well, we should all just be getting along and letting this go. You're letting that define the movement that you are associated with. And you're going to eventually find that you're on the outside and they're doing something you disagree with. You won't have the use all this time saying we should get along to push back on it. And the people who would be there pushing back on it, you've pushed out. Yeah, I think you have to stay, you have to be principled, but. You don't being principled doesn't mean you're weak. I, I guess I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Um, but what we're what we're really talking about is de- democratic values, right? Like 
having a clear vision of where we ought to go and how things ought to operate, speaking up uh, about those values, but also respecting that other people may disagree. Uh, so there's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm test piloting an episode for you guys. Okay. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this stuff for six months or more, maybe since January 6th, even, you know, what, what are, if the right is going to an authoritarian right position, similar to Putin, similar to more fascist state, and I'm not going with them, then what do I believe? Uh, and I know that I believe in classical liberalism, libertarianism. I know I believe in capitalism. I know I believe in democracy. But I also recognize that a lot of the people that are on that same side are statists, <laughs> right? Um, so how do we start to craft a vision of a libertarian movement that no longer embraces bigotry, no longer embraces bullying, no longer embraces this false machismo that is used to get in other people's faces because of their own insecurities. Uh, this libertarianism that is a... Listen, I left the Republican Party in 2008 because I disagreed with them on immigration and gay rights. I thought they were wrong. I thought it was bigoted. I certainly don't want to be in a libertarian party that basically is the Republican Party of 2007 but without the foreign policy aspect. Just because you're right on foreign policy doesn't mean that I want to be with you social conservatives on a lot of this stuff. I live a socially conservative life. My wife and I waited till marriage to have sex, okay? We go to church every Sunday. Uh, Dennis will tell you I'm far more socially conservative than he is, and probably in ways that make him uncomfortable. Um, but that's not for me to impose on other people. Uh, just because I have created these caricatures of the left and have created such fear in my own heart and in the minds of those around me that I need to use the, the state. to f That's where these people are headed. That's what you need to understand. There is a significant part of the libertarian and conservative movements that are heading towards the authoritarian right. They're heading towards uh, a very dark place. And I'm not going with them. And We Are Libertarians is not going with them and haven't been for two years. But what do you start to fight for? Because you can't spend your whole time pointing at them and going, boy, they're wrong. Because then you just become obsessed with them. <laughs> and there are, groups that are yep. there are groups that are obsessed with them that uh, have some value, but in a lot of ways are just as creepy. Uh, and I don't, I don't particularly agree with that. So where are we I, headed? What's the, what's the future? So, Go ahead. I so much prefer, I so much prefer believing and fighting for something, not against something. Right. I have a, I have a vision of how I think society should function. I've it, developed it over 30 years. I think it would work. The thing is, is that you have to have that goal in mind and how you think you can get there in order to actually try to convince other people to come along with you and actually get there. If you're yeah. just going to go around and say they're wrong and they're wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. Okay. Well, what's right. What's in this place. What are you going to do to take over what they're doing? The, the problems that exist. How are you solving those problems? If you're not doing it the way they're doing it, you say they're doing it wrong. That's great. What's your solution. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. They don't They don't think that far ahead. They just want to be anti that that they don't like. And, and that's, that's the really the key. And when you, we talk about democracy, we're not talking about 
full on full blown democracy. I think that there's there's a democracy that we should be focusing on that is not populist. So there's a populism where everything is open, everything is whatever the majority wants. But you have to be able to defend the rights of everybody else. And sometimes that means that even though the majority wants something, it's not something they can do because you're protecting the rights of the minority view, right? That's not pure democracy. That's more of a constitutional or, or you know, Republican or however you want to say it. There's a, there's a defin- definition there that is above and beyond straight populism. Now, I see a lot of people on the authoritarian right start heading down into the populist route, which takes them right into the worst parts of yeah. the right. And, you, and, and that's a scary thing to get into. I need to got- beat up on trans people to sell my razors. I need, I need to create you fear in you toward about leftists to get you to, to buy into what I am saying. So I'm going to create caricatures. Uh, I, you know, I, so I, I've been thinking a lot about where, what can I do with the show to kind of talk about these values that I think are important. Uh, obviously civil society has been a huge part of my career. Uh, especially the last few years of, as I've started to find my voice, the pat down is, you know, 99% comedy, 1% racial reconciliation. Uh, and, you know, Dion is a socialist, a Bernie Sanders socialist. Well, he and I are friends and I want to model friendship between a libertarian and a Bernie socialist. Like he thinks I am a Mises caucus guy, right? <laughs> so he thinks, you know, but there. And having uncomfortable conversations about race and just trying to find the common ground. Uh, the nonprofit radio show, I'm restarting that at indianapodcasts.com because I think it's important to highlight people who are in the civil society sector and what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, we're, we're going to be doing more storytelling on We Are Liberty, on the Chris Spangle Show, excuse me, um, to, to talk about you know how we can how we can decrease the size and scope of government by illustrating to you that government doesn't help people as much as we all want to think it makes us feel good that something is doing something for someone we're just glad we don't have to do it but the reality is what is happening is the poor are being ground under the foot of bureaucracy in our name or the poor in Yemen are being bombed with our bombs. But we've just got to do something. Usually means some marginalized poor person is about to be hurt with your tax dollars. It happens here. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in your town. It happens in your country, in this world. Uh, and so that's part of what we're going to be talking about. Um but as you know, the the attacks on democracy and and uh, listen, I have no 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 illusions that when Joe Biden says he's in a war for democracy in the Ukraine, he's not in a war for democracy. He's in a war to supply weapons to Ukraine. <laughs> um, I I I think democracy is a concept that is being lost and watered down in the modern libertarian movement because nobody defends democracy or talks about it. 
Uh, and that's what I want to do a little bit tonight and just kind of go over this framework that I found. Uh, but this is a continuing conversation that we're going to continue to have uh, as we work towards our own framework here on the Chris Spangle Show of how we think society ought to operate uh, from values of openness. You know, democracy is only one tool towards liberty. It is not an ends of, it, of itself. Uh, and that's where a lot of progressives and libertarians and I, like myself, d- like depart from a lot of the left because they see it as the ends and I do not. So this is from uh, the University of Penn, the Center for High Impact Philanthropy, The Five Elements of a Strong Democracy. And I wanted to read this because I wanted to give you some sort of alliteration of democracy. Everybody's running around talking about democracy, but nobody defines what that is. Uh, And so I thought this was a good summation of some of the values of democracy that are important and why it supports the civil society sector, which we see as libertarians as the most important sector. Business and civil society are more important to the functioning of human, the flourishing of liberty than government. Uh, so we need a strong civil society, but that that then will end up being a strong democracy. And so there are five elements. First is empowered citizens. The people are the principal actors in a democracy. Citizens are empowered when their rights are protected. They are informed, and fellow citizens and poly- policymakers proactively engage them in the democratic process. Yeah, you can sit on your front porch with your AR-15 waiting for the boogaloo to kick off, or you could put that down and go to the county council meeting. I'm guessing you haven't. I'm guessing you don't know your city councilor. I'm guessing you don't know the name of your state representative. And so, uh, before we all start shooting, let's do that. Uh, Fair processes. As the mechanics of democracy, fair processes respect the principle of one person, one vote, and hold policy-making institutions accountable through checks and balances. Obviously, we talked a lot in the Trump administration about the erosion of checks and balances and how weak they were, how both parties have eroded that uh, to protect themselves, and how the, the very nature of the vote is being eroded. Trust in the vote has to be eroded by Donald Trump for you to want to put him into office again. He has to lie to you. He has to make you think that the vote is rigged. Because if you think that the vote is you and your neighbors counting ballots together under heavy surveillance, which it is, uh, then you're going to find him to be a bullshit artist. So he doesn't want that. (laughs) Um, Responsive policy. As an output of democracy, responsive policy weighs all citizens' interests and values equally, provides for the common good, and establishes institutions that empower individuals to protect their rights. The libertarian reading of this is that policies that don't respect the rights of the individual are null and void, and we need to be aggressively in our local Republican Democratic bodies, the legislatures, the city councils, fighting against and for legislation revolving around individual rights. Information and communication. These elements mediate the relationship between citizens, processes, and policy. Information and communication that are responsive, are representative, accurate, and trusted ensure fair processes enable citizens to hold policymakers accountable. It's hard to find information you trust. 
because so many of the people within the journalistic industry and the politicians that want you to stop listening to them have all let us down. <laughs> and uh, there is a loss of trust uh, in all sides here for a reason. Social cohesion is the fifth one. A shared sense of purpose and identity is implicit in the enduring phrase, we the people. A democratic society's members recognize each other's right to a voice in the political process and are willing to collaborate for common ends. So if you are in this society, I want you to have a voice, even if I disagree with you. Uh, and that is in short supply lately. Uh, now, let's go down to, you know, uh, the elements that we just read. The There's an indicators, key determinants, what donors fund. Let's talk about the key determinants of, let's say, empowered citizens. What does it look like? Legal rights are protected by courts, sources of information and education on public affairs, civil society organizations that facilitate, you know, are there nonprofits out there working hard? That's done through civics education, community foundations, legal defense funds, training candidates for public office. And I'm sure some of you are listening to this going, this sounds like a bunch of leftist nonsense. The reason that you think that is because so many people on the right have bamboozled you to walk away from all of these different elements of democracy because they're not Democrats, because they want you to believe in their cause. They can save you. You're the victim, and they're the only ones that can help. You can't get out there and fight for yourself. You have no power. The left is too big. It's too powerful. That's bullshit. Show up. Get involved. Uh, and reject anybody who is cynical enough to tell you that you still don't have a voice and that you don't have power. Fair processes. Wanna, Go ahead. I just just want to say, if you want to see if you have any power or any voice or not, actually go to one of these meetings of the of your local city council. Yeah. And see that there's twelve, you know, five, twelve, maybe people there at the most, including the, the actual board. Right. And when they ask for you know when they ask for uh, comments from the people there get up and say something you're going to find that you have an impact you can talk to these people you can get to know who they are you go a couple times they know who you are they're going to see um that you're not crazy and you, you have concerns and that might actually impact what they're doing yeah. you know um that's how you you find out whether you have a voice or not you just don't go well i voted and it didn't work so civil society demands getting off of twitter Civil society is not on Twitter. F your Facebook page is not civil society. Civil society is face-to-face -face human contact and engagement with the people in your community. Uh, it is voting rights litigation, government watchdog organizations, it's electoral reform, advocacy, policy research, nonprofit journalism, think tanks, civic tech like online voter registration, it's voluntary associations, it's a political bridge building. These are the things that will make our system better. And there's a lot of people that will tell you this is all not going to work and it's all been tried and it's all infiltrated by leftists. And that's because the right gave up. And the fact that the right gave up means that they ceded all of the civil society grounds to the left in so many ways. That's not totally accurate. Because they, as the right moves further right, 
They are alienating members of the right like me, and Dennis, even, believe it or not, going, I can't go there with you. And so everybody, if you if you uh, have a problem with a personal's personal, uh, you know, a popular podcast's uh, his personal conduct, you're a leftist. Well, no, I have values, and you don't. Jealous. Right? You're jealous. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's the constant erosion of morality that it, it just it's it grates on people. People start to rationalize defending things that they normally wouldn't defend because it's politically expedient to do so. They're yeah. heroes, the people who are leading their movement. They can't afford to lose those people. So they can't afford to call out those people. So they have to justify it. They have to rationalize. Well, this is different because, or this is why this is happening because. And it becomes victim shaming. It becomes uh, just total hypocrisy in a lot of areas for some of the people who, who are engaging in that. And it never works out well in the end because eventually like I, I spent a decade defending the newsletters. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Ron Paul, I spent a decade online vehemently defending him. And I got to the point where I said, I cannot defend this anymore. This, this Russia, this, this, this Russia no stuff has, this. has to be a break for so many people, not just in the libertarian, but like conservatives, you know, like CPAC going to speak in Hungary. Like, what are your values and principles? Because if you don't start articulating them and thinking about them and talking about them and preserving the language of your own morality, preserving the language of liberty, you're going to lose it. And it will no longer be available to you because you will have forgotten it. Because the goal of tyrannical people is to keep you off balance all of the time. Live in the present. Never think about history. Never think about the history of an organization. Uh, constantly be afraid of the, the new thing. You know, there's a lot of people on the right that have that exactly right. That's exactly what is happening on a lot of the mainstream media. They want to keep you constantly hyperventilating in fear. Because it makes you more controllable, and it makes you lose the language of liberty. Uh, and so, you know, when we're constantly arguing, let's let's take uh, trans sports. Uh, I have a definite opinion. Uh, Dennis says uh, Reinhold has the exact opposite opinion. Uh, but we could spend all of our time arguing about that one issue. But how many people in our state actually does that apply to? One? Two? Right? Whereas inflation impacts everybody, right? Inflation is a huge issue uh, of liberty, of justice, of capital. Like, it just, it's... But people want to keep you divided and galvanized on their side, arguing about these things. I'm not saying that if you're, uh, you know, what, you're the trans swimmer, that that... I'm not trying to be dismissive of your experience. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's where Reinhold and I disagree is like, you're a very small minority. And so we, we've got to focus on some of the bigger issues. So, um, and then Reinhold, you would say, oh, well, we need to focus on this because if one person, just one person gets hurt, one person. Well. I think you're going to find it's more than just a few people eventually are going to feel comfortable coming out. They don't now. So that's, yeah. 
that's the whole thing there is that you still have to kind of protect minority rights even if you don't agree with them. Yeah, well, sure. All right, go shut your dog up. Um, so, yeah, the, the reality is that the entire system right now, if you're watching a screen, you're not living in civil society. You're living in some weird alternate reality where people don't exist but do exist, and we are living in this 1984 weird concoction of outrage and two minutes hate. Uh, and we are letting civil society atrophy. Churches are ceding care for the poor to the government. That's a sin. <laughs> so uh, things like that. So, uh, all right. Well, I want to wrap up. I, I don't have a, a lot more to say here. Uh, I'll give Reinhold here your final thoughts. So my final thoughts is something I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago, and I was trying to figure out a way to explain this and how to solve an issue. So I think, as I said before, I think the way to solve getting government out of th- things that they shouldn't be involved in is by coming up with organizations, doing it ourselves, and 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 solving the problem. But how do we go about doing that? Because there's some there's some great places I've seen starting up that are doing this, and they're not taking any government money, which I think is key. Because as soon as you allow the government to give you a little bit of money they own you. They, you know, politics gets involved and then you can't do what you need to be doing and focusing on. So I think there should be an organization out there that is strictly limited to identifying all of the organizations that are doing it the right way. They're doing non-governmental agencies that are solving problems with private money, no government involvement, no government interaction, get them together in a a organization, something like a, a, like a better business bureau or something like that. Just something where you can say, okay, I know that this person, this, this organization I want to give money to, they sound like they're doing a good job. They have the tag of this organization approving them and, and, and identified that they are not getting government money, that they're doing it the right way. They're not embezzling. They're not ripping people off. They're actually helping people. You can start trusting that organization and you can start getting money funneled into these others. And it takes a lot of the work off the person who does want to give the money to help, but don't want to spend all their time researching and trying to find who to, who to help give money to, because that's how they do it now. They just give it to the government and let the government decide, right? So I think that that's the best way to go about that. And I've got to figure out a way to get that somehow organized or somebody else to do it or or whatever. But I mean, it's something that was popped in my head a couple of weeks ago, and it's I just haven't been able to get it out. So this was a perfect opportunity to kind of mention it here. So Now you got to do that it. Thing, I, Hold yeah. them accountable. No, I put it out there, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on this bonus episode. Sorry if it was rambling, but uh, we don't have our thoughts organized. It's just something I've been thinking about, and I, I don't have it in a, a neat bow, and you're the test audience. So let me know what you think. Comment on the Patreon site or in the in the uh, Facebook chat, Dear Leaders Court. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next Wednesday.